Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. My name's Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And we are back for episode number 92. Ooh. Yeah. Getting close to that century mark. Getting close. Yeah, When? let's time it out. When's that going to be? And will it be coinciding with the next big DF update, the Adventure Mode update? Well, we've had a lot of uh, pretty regular updates since the Steam release came out. 11 now. All right. We had version 50.11 was released since our last recording session. I think that was mostly a maintenance update. Is that correct? You know, we could talk about the patch notes for 50.11. I'm sure that that would be exciting. Yeah, they fixed uh, some some Linux crash problems. It looks like it's mostly uh, mostly uh, some bug fixes and things like that. <laughs> One thing I like, uh, uh, ballista arrows that chop down trees now count for tree cap diplomacy. <laughs> oh, thank God. That was, I mean, that for me was ruining the game. So I was furious, and now I'm now I'm now I'm I'm pretty reasonable about it. About Have things. either of you had elves try to try to cap your your tree chopping since the version fifty came out? Yes, yes, they still get angry, and then I've had them ambush me when I've declined their offer. I don't know. Maybe I uh, maybe I've just not done enough to piss off the elves, but I've not had a problem with uh, the elves thinking that I am an ugly you know, bag of water. Don't give up. Hmm. Well, they Don't haven't bothered me, but I can tell you exactly why. Uh, they're confined to the entire southern continent that has no connection to my lands. So they can physically come to my home and like knock on my wooden door and tell me that I stink. Uh, however, I do plan on making a bridge at some point. It's... Uh, we will see, but... Is it close enough to where you can make the bridge? Uh, it could be possible, but the fortress that I would need to build is not going to be a beauty fortress. It is simply going to be a large mining pit, and then me making a long bridge and then instantly not using the fortress anymore. Okay. Have yep. you been playing with mostly the same world, Roland, since the version 50 came out? <laughs> Actually, I've not only been playing with the same world, I've only made, I believe, four different fortresses in the wow. world, and I'm still sitting in number four. And it's it's been running for God knows how long, and it is the same people. And, and now I even have not the, the first generation that settled in my fortress, but we are closing in on the third and the first generation of settlers has almost died out completely and got replaced by their children. And I cannot seem to find a good way to end the fortress. Uh, so it just kind of keeps on going. <laughs> Invite a werelimer. Uh Can I suggest something? Uh, stop oh. making alcohol. Stop making alcohol. Hmm. Yeah, that'll do it. Well, that would be a very permanent end. <laughs> well, we know that tantrum spirals have gotten better. We can see what we can do to piss off our dwarves and cause them to tantrum. That would be fun. I think you can also start attacking all the nearby towers. And if you do, if you get a couple of wars going on a couple different fronts, that can usually that can usually wrap things up pretty quickly. Yeah, I. This is exactly what I'm actually going to do in the next. There is only a few goblins left in the north. 
and I was going to crush them uh, by making a military fortress with like 200 people. But as it turns out, the remaining goblins are very weak with my current fortress, which started as a scholar fortress, like a large library was the main centerpiece. Already they are strong enough to just besiege the goblins and actually do severe damage. I've destroyed either three or four settlements already. Wow. So I'm not sure if I actually need the military fortress anymore. I'm still going to do it. I the the towers still give me a hard time. I still I have to say I, I still I still really struggle with defeating towers. I've not tried to attack them myself. I've not pushed my luck with that. But uh, I've had other things to worry about in my main fortress. I've had this one fortress running for um, well since before the summer break, and I believe that pretty much all of my fortresses that I've done that I can remember have all been in a single world since version 50 came out. So I don't know if that says anything about the longevity of worlds that are generated with this version, or if it's just that I'm settling down in my play. Start building uh, forts on the ice caps. That'll humble you fast. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking for death. (laughs) Okay. Right. Okay. Death usually finds you. I see. That's, that's the way I play too. Yeah. I actually had a a goal in mind for this fortress that is not going to be able to be met. It looks like, and I'll get into that a little bit later. So other things that have happened for the uh, 50.11 release, they've done some tutorial fixes, some squad situations, some graphics work. So it looks like it's mostly uh, little things that are fixes, which are which are good. And he, and he said as much that there's just uh, some minor things to, to tweak, and then he's going to start working the uh, uh, adventure mode stuff. So great. So DF Hack also for those folks who use it. And if you don't use DF Hack, you know, I would like to encourage you to give it a try. You can use it as little or as much as you want to. Installing DF Hack really doesn't take away from the game in and of itself. I don't think it takes away from the game at all. I think it's very additive. But uh, there's lots of nice, cool utilities that are in there that just make your life easier. So this this most recent release, uh, 50.11 R2, they've added some things like uh, uh, one-click collapsing of the big, long stocks list so that you can just see how many you have in each category without having to go through and manually scroll through uh, 450,000 Gabbro blocks. Um, you can also have surge bars in pretty much any creature tab. So, for example, if you go into others and you're being besieged by, I don't know, 400 cavern dwellers and 12 goblins and one forgotten beast, then you do not want to scroll that list. So the search feature gives you the option to simply type in, like, forgotten beast and then you find instantly the forgotten beast and then you can zoom into there without you having to scroll through like 500 plus entries, which that's pretty nice. That also works for dwarfs. So you can, you know, search your dwarfs directly by name. That is mm, a very nice feature. Does it work, I wonder, for were beasts? Because I would have used that had I had it available to me recently. Because I had a boatload. Well, I don't think they get, uh, how you say, uncloaked by by the search feature. It simply searches for their name. 
So if they no, this is while they were active, and I was trying to target them. Okay, then probably yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. So yeah, thanks a lot to the folks at DF Hack for releasing the uh, for for writing that utility set, and uh, thanks a lot to Tarn for making another release of Dwarf Fortress. It's making our lives wonderful <laughs> and sucking up hours and hours of our time. Oh, yeah. Tomb Zone, automatic Tomb Zone creation. I'm going to have to check that out. Haven't tried it yet, but uh, part of the DF hack update is that uh, uh, automatic Tomb Zone creation. Now, this may have been changed, but whenever version 50 came out, I was not able to create multiple Tomb Zones unless I had each of my caskets walled off in their own separate room. Yeah, with a door, right? Yeah. Yeah, with mm-hmm. a door. So looking at the uh, the graphic that they have on the release on Steam for the uh, DF Hack uh, 5011R2, it looks like that can be a thing again. So you don't have to carve out your, your each individual tomb like you used to. So hoping that works. I'm looking forward to trying that out. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not sure how it's supposed to work. I still, I was just playing with it before the show, and I it it looked like it was asking me to do the same thing where you zone it out. So I'm not sure what it means. Maybe I've just misunderstood. But let me know how you guys get on with it. We'll do. Our last episode, we were discussing not being able to get Dwarf Fortress to run on the Mac. And we had a comment in Reddit on episode uh, 90, I believe it was, by a, a Reddit user named Lodot that suggested a, uh, a link, and I'll put this in the show notes, about how to do an override to of a, of a DLL to make it work on Mac. And did you, you try that out, Tony? I tried it out. Yeah. And I mean, so far, so good. It works. It works really well. I've, I've generated a small world on the Mac and not a very populous one. I think I got 25 people here and I've got, you know, graphics frames, 60 FPS and regular frames, you know, multiple hundreds. So it runs, I mean, it runs like you'd kind of want it to run and DF hack works as well. So pretty cool thing. There's one trick that you need to do to get it to work. So that uh, as far as I've seen, there's no comprehensive, here's how you play it on a Mac from start to finish easily. Mm -hmm. But if you pull together stuff found in different places, you can sort it out. So the guy that posted on Reddit was talking about, I think maybe already having a copy of the game that he got off of itch.io or whatever. And so he could put it in the directory and then run it. And then there's somebody else who's saying, you know, if you've bought it on steam, you can go in and edit one of the, you know, one of the config files in your steam folder. And then it'll trick the steam launcher on Mac to download the windows version. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did. And I did that. uh, And then I manually installed DF hack. Anyway, you'll figure it out if you go there. The, the real the real trick is to is to do this DLL override in yeah. in 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 uh, what's it called? Uh, wine. Yeah, and it's then, a MSVCP one forty atomic weight. It looks like. Yeah, I so mean, it's not gentle on the CPU on the Mac at all by by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think it's very gentle on the Windows CPU either. To be fair, say, yeah. <laughs> Like it's, it's, you know, Mac is like, you know, I'm playing and it's, you know, it's 210% CPU, but you know, for the system, that's, 
Not and much, I think there might be a memory leak or two somewhere in, uh, in Dwarf Fortress, because if you leave it running for like 72 hours, you'll find that it's using, you know, you know, eight gig of RAM. <laughs> hmm. so. Interesting to know. Uh, you know, I should try that before I just go out and start blabbing off crap. I should actually check that again. It used to be that way. Um, uh, 4705, I know that I would leave it going for a long time and it would build up memory leakage, it looked to me like, because it was using up a ungodly amount of RAM. So, but I'll, I'll try that again. I'll run that experiment. Yeah, I do. I mean, it seems to be running great on the Mac. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can play it as though I have a Windows machine. It's pretty doggone cool. And it, you know, battery, I get, I was able to play it on battery for like four hours, which, you know, the Mac's battery usually lasts about 10 or 12. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty hardcore, but, uh, but yeah, hey man, no complaints for me. I, I'm impressed. This is not to say we don't need a Mac version, by the way. <laughs> so I, I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to uh, convince anyone not to do it. But stopgap, I guess. But I mean, maybe, if you think uh, about it, it's it's playing under emulation and it's still highly performant. It's pretty cool. I haven't tried with a giant world or anything like that, but um. That'll, that'll maybe be next. I'm doing a small world, and I'm just going to try to conquer everybody and see how it goes. Do you remember version 47 well enough so that you can do a mental comparison between the two? I mean, it's not scientific, but uh, but do you, can you tell whether it runs better on the Mac than the old 57 did? Uh, I'm sorry, mean, 47 did. It seems to run pretty darn well. Like not like when I'm play when you're playing it, like never am I thinking I'm I'm doing this under emulation, and it sucks. Like it feels pretty native so that's neat and this isn't like the newest generation of mac it's an m1 pro if that makes sense to mac people yep and so i would imagine you'd probably do better with one of the newer ones even but heck uh this is doggone impressive i would say the one thing that doesn't work particularly well is the trackpad so if you're playing be prepared to use the keyboard or connect a mouse because the trackpad hmm. is just not I mean, you can, you know, you can, you can't scroll with the trackpad is what I'm trying to say, but, um, you can click and do stuff with it, but you can't really scroll. Yeah. That may be the uh, part of the, some of the SDL stuff because scrolling even on windows doesn't work like a windows application. Really? Some of the, some of the things that you could normally do, like, uh, like select the scroll bar and hit page down will typically scroll down a page. Um, that, that doesn't work with the, uh, with, with the uh, SDL with Dwarf Fortress as it is now, you typically just have to click the down arrow on the scroll bar. A lot of times, sometimes the down arrow on your keyboard will make it go. Sometimes it won't. I think it depends on the menu. Maybe a little inconsistent. Have you guys found that as well? Uh, the the mouse wheel on Windows does seem to scroll okay. Like you know, I'm I've I've got it running on a Windows machine and a Mac right now. The the scroll wheel works great on the Windows box. The Mac is not terrific doesn't seem to always work uh well if you're in uh for example the the diplomacy screen if you're looking at the trade items i'm not sure that the scroll wheel works on those okay maybe it's something with my computer but i'm sure that uh that if i'm mistaken uh someone will let us know uh, you know i need it in the discord i need to put a cunningham's law channel <laughs> <laughs> place for you to go to tell us that uh, that we mess something up which that's fine I, you know I, that's I think that's actually a, a nice idea 
I will it's do a that. great way to do it. Yeah, Cunningham's Law is still the best way to get information. <laughs> In I fact, agree. I'm going to do that right now. We're going to add a text channel called Cunningham's Law. Is this as in Richie Cunningham? Is this is this the kind of thing where it's like you know in quantum physics, like there it when is. you when you observe the particle, the waveform collapses. Like, is this if you identify something as a Cunningham's Law question, does that mean no one's going to answer it because they know they're being tricked? I I, <laughs> I, I think you've what? I don't know. I think you're. Yeah. Are you th- do you think I'm, do you think I'm shutting down discourse? I think <laughs> by, if, you, if you say this is a Cunningham's law question, you definitely can't use the scroll wheel in Dwarf Fortress. People are going to be like, yeah, you can. And they're going to look at it and be like, but I'm not telling you because now I know that you're trying to bait me into giving you proper information. Oh, and I see what you're getting at. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. But mm. if you go out and emphatically state something that's incorrect on the internet, well, people will instantly try to jump to correct you. But see, I think if you tell people, I know this is incorrect and I'm trying to goad you into giving me the proper answer, they'll say, aha, I'm not going to be helpful now okay, but because I believe this is a psychological question. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, because what overweighs in that current situation? Is it uh, the person feeling, oh, I'm being played? Or is it the person being allowed to spout wisdom? And I believe that pretty much everybody on the on this planet will go the way of spouting wisdom if they can. So even if you state that this is a <sighs> factual discord channel where you say something wrong i think they will still get in there and tell you what is right because they have the ability to do so okay and they want to let you know yeah you know what i think for science I too i <laughs> think for science we test this well it's there it's there it's uh, cunningham's law channel on the discord ch- server and uh the the uh, description is let us know what we messed up because we do it very often yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you're right. This is, uh, this is for science. We test this. And it'll also help us get corrections out there because, uh, you know, before now, no one ever knew how to uh, – wait, wait. Urist at dfroundtable.com. And we've had a few things that we've had to correct because of that too. So, Well, we got, I, we got Mac working out of it, so that's pretty cool. That's, that is a good point. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. anecdotal evidence right there. Let's link and to I that sound post. a little snarky, but I – you know, we fully admit that we screw things up all the time. Dwarf Fortress is a complex game, and and there's a lot of things out there that are common knowledge that aren't necessarily so. I believe and uh, confidently incorrect would be a way I would con- state my knowledge about that. <laughs> Hard game, simple person. <laughs> hey, come on! I love it. What are you doing? Yeah. Man. Oh, I thought anyway, he was being self-referential there, not talking about us. Yes, I'm yeah. going to have to get one of those self-love jackets now. <laughs> I think that may have been in the pre-show. Uh, oh, a self-love okay. jacket is uh, apparently a a European term for uh, for a straight jacket. The German, right? German word? Is, is it German or is it European? No, no I, it's more of a funny way to reference it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Huh. Well, I think it's funny. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. In the resonant verses of the renowned bard Logan Hastings, the saga of New Tower of Showing unfolded. As the haze of battle against the malevolent goblins lifted and the valiant dwarven soldiers were duly honored in their final repose, Mayor Obok Toltrated surveyed her realm with a heavy heart. 
she questioned the wisdom of her decision to unseat Elder Bim from the mayoralty in years gone by, and a gnawing doubt crept into her soul. The certainty that she had erred loomed large. Yet, with or without the flicker of hope, the bastion must endure, for the mere thought of abandonment was beyond contemplation. And so, as the silver orb of the moon inched toward its full splendor, Mayor Obok strode resolutely into the fortress, determined to steer her charge back onto the righteous course. Such was the tale spun in verse by Logan Hastings. So we had Defonso on last time, and Defonso was starting to get into a little bit of a technical talk. And he made the comment that he didn't know that it would be good uh, podcast uh, uh, podcast subject matter. And I guess I want to ask you two and our listeners what they think whenever we do go into the weeds a little bit into the tech stuff, because I think that it is very interesting to learn a little more insights about how things work under the hood. And I like the detailed tech talk about, you know, the things that you do when you're modding and, and, and such. I think it makes good content, but um, I guess I'd like to know you, the opinion of you two and also the opinion of our listeners, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is for us, but it's also for the people who listen to it. Uh, I'm a tech nerd. So, you know, if somebody wants to talk to me about the intricacies of multi-threading and why it's challenging in this environment, that's cool. If somebody wants to talk to me about, you know, using IDA Pro to scrape memory registers, like I'm down with that, but I do understand that may lack a broad appeal. <laughs> so, hey, I'm, I'm in it to win it, but um, I always find it interesting. Well, I do find it interesting, too. I don't understand it fully. For me, half of the time, you just sound like tech wizards. But nonetheless, it is interesting to listen to it, even if I have nothing to add. We had we had a very technical episode a long while ago. We had um, a guest mm-hmm. on, and it... Ralpha. That was Ralpha, yeah. who was the uh, leader of the Dwarf Fortress language server yeah, 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 project yeah. and also the, the the raw language server and also the Dwarf Fortress storyteller, mm. which was, and I'm not sure if it would still work anymore, but it was a API that you could use to access Legends mode so that you could use it to create apps that accessed the Legends mode data. So, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That is... Correct. Um, that is exactly what I mean. Uh, I and that was all for memory, believe it or not. I didn't even well have to look done. that up. Nice. Dang. Um, I can't tell you what episode number it was, um, yeah, but dang. me neither. But but go ahead, Roland. I I only sat in the background and I was like, uh, uh, yeah, cool, yeah, okay. <laughs> but well, to be honest, I sat in the background a lot on that one too. I know what an API is, but whenever he really got into the weeds on it, I sat in the background as well. But I found it very fascinating. Yes, so, yeah, yes. Oh yeah, that stuff's super cool. I mean, it's super fun to hear how they're doing. It. And and yeah, like trying to. And again, we. We've been very fortunate to have someone from the DF Hack team swing by the Discord and chat with us about stuff. And that is another development effort that I think is truly Herculean in nature because, you know, the cliche of trying to, you know, build the airplane while it's flying, I think is pretty apt for that because you're effectively trying to maintain a feature set for an application that is 
you know, constantly changing, completely outside of your own control. And it's constantly changing. And at any moment, Tarn could push an update that breaks the entire thing. And not like he's trying to do that, but just like these guys aren't maybe necessarily in the closest of contact and his problems are not their problems and their problems are not his problems. And, and, and so the fact that it keeps running and it works as well as it does is pretty dang cool. And a testament to the effort that those guys put in and I'm using guys in a gender neutral way there, those folks, <laughs> those individuals. Um, so yeah, I, I'm seriously impressed. It's, it's, it's neat, neato. Yeah, I need to to approach them, or we need to approach them and ask them if they'd like to come on and talk about DF Hack because that would yeah. be. Am I getting to the weeds? But uh, but man, those would be some interesting weeds to explore. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, and, and weren't we talking about maybe doing a a little chit chat about DF hack and things that people like about it. And I, you know, I'd love to talk through some of the features that people find really useful because I feel like I'm constantly discovering things that make the game better for me, like auto clothing and auto butcher, which I had completely somehow missed out on until like two weeks ago. So, (laughs) well, yeah, I, I did a very similar thing. I was away from the internet for about five days Recently, what? I know, right? So All I was right, away from I'm the internet, done. but I'm I did out. have Dwarf Fortress and I did have DF Hack. Go so instead of you know surfing the horrible headlines that we have around the world right now, I was surfing the DF Hack help menu, and I was I was like, wow, I didn't know it did that. Wow, I didn't know it did that either. Oh, wow, that's cool. Let me try that. So yeah, there's lots of really cool features in DF Hack that uh, some of them. Uh, I might not want to use, but it's kind of neat that they're there. Like, I, I don't know that I would ever want to use the uh, the blueprinting. What, what's it called? Um, the quick fort. Oh yeah, I've I've had zero luck with that. Maybe I would love to hear somebody who thinks that's neat and why they think it's neat and how they're using it. Because I'm too thick to figure that one out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that we should give a DF hack a little bit more love just to to let people know some of the cool things that you can do with it. So we may make oh, that yeah. a regular feature coming up. Sounds good. I'd vote for that. DF hack corner. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not playing with auto farming, that's pretty dang cool. Okay. But I'll, what, I'll plug that one. What does it do? So I, probably a lot more that I don't know, but um, if you build your plots, it figures out the right crops to grow at the right times. And then it, it handles crop rotation for you and they just kind of get on with it. And then, um, you know, so they'll make like whatever those rock nuts or whatever that crap is that I never really thought much (laughs) about. Like they'll sort all that out. And then all these weird seeds and berries and whatever that you end up with, like the thistleberry or the, you know, cranberry or I don't know, whatever rhubarb, you know, all those things, they'll figure out how to plant that and rotate through it. And then you'll have it. And then if you set up the right workflow for like brew alcohol from fruit, it, you'll just magically have multiple types of alcohol, which keep everyone even happier. Um, so it's not just mushroom wine or whatever. Anyway, pretty neat. I'd say play with it because I bet you it does a heck of a lot more than what I've just described. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's neat. Auto clothing seems the same kind of neat. Check that out. I think that's even more powerful potentially. But I've used it for a few things, and it's pretty neat. It seems to 
take care of a lot of the clothing aspects of like pigtails to the pigtail industrial complex, it seems to sort out for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut this part because it's, it's a, a very, it shows a very uh, poor podcast etiquette here. Oh, <laughs> so I was looking up done? something else while you were just discussing the, uh, the, uh, the stuff that you were talking about, Tony, <laughs> oh. whenever you talk about quick for, did you talk about the, uh, the Excel spreadsheet being able to copy and paste, uh, basically, uh, fortress blocks? Did you talk about that? No, I mean, for my perspective is if, if there's a game and then somebody starts talking about Excel being involved, I am well, become furious and want to walk out of the room. So like, okay. <laughs> I don't know that it's Excel per se. It can also be a, a, a CSV, but you get your spreadsheet so think, out of my game. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't mind bringing work to this. I love so I think that another thing that the quick fork does, you don't ever have to actually do the spreadsheet thing. You can export a file that has the blueprint of a, maybe this is, maybe this isn't quick fork. Maybe this is a, uh, something else but there it, is a it command what it does yeah yeah there's a command that you can take a z level and you can export it to a file so that whenever you come load up another uh fortress you can go to a z level in that fortress and import that dig pattern so that you can let's say that you have a particular layout of of industry or something on the floor that you really like to use then you can export that layout and then import it into your next fortress. So th that was a big thing that was not working for a while. I think in 4704 or 05 that ended up uh, taking a little while to get, to get taken care of, but it, they did fix it almost, you know, just before version 50 came out, but that does work now. So I hear. Hmm. All right. I would love to, to hear somebody talk about that because I do feel like one of the more, monotonous parts of the game is the building of bedrooms or whatever. Building, like, still, oh my God, it's better than really? it used to be. It's better it's than better it used, than to, used be. to be with the multi, with the multi, uh, you can multi zone bedrooms now, which is better than it was. But yeah, it's still, yeah, it's, it's, it's still a little, tedious. it's a little, it's a little arduous. I would, I would love a little improvement on that, but Hey man, uh, I mean, whatever. the quick fort is exactly what you're looking at. Like what you need, uh, you can make an unmined blueprint just in, in any rock area. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I love this. Um, then you just copy that. And then you have it as a stamp feature that you can just stamp all over your friggin' Z-levels. I, I actually did a video on that. <laughs> um, okay. I, I we will link that in the show yeah. notes if it still exists. Look at me. I, I have a Twitch channel. I, I streamed it. I made a video of that. And it is it is fairly easy to use. And, of course, I did not even get anywhere with that. I just made a few. Uh, I, I believe it was bedrooms. And then I made uh, temples. I made temples, exactly. You can rotate the blueprint, so it is really like a stamp feature. So uh, you can make clover-style bedroom arrangement, and you stamp it north and then west and then south because you can rotate it. It's it's pretty neat. I believe you could probably just stamp your entire fortress out in like 15 seconds, and then you have your entire fortress for like 200 dwarfs. Takes a while to mine, though. Yeah, uh, fast dwarf. Um, 
<laughs> also a DF hack tool. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one for just, you know, like when you want to try something out and you, you have an idea or a concept and you're pretty sure it's going to fail and you don't want to spend a lot of time getting attached to everyone in the fort and you need, you just need to knock something out pretty quickly. That's for, that's your friend. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep playing with it because I've had really mixed experiences with the, the, the quick fort. So, um, I guess maybe I should tune into your stream <laughs> if it's saved somewhere and, and have a look and see how you did it. Cause I don't think I'm getting it. And just because you can export a spreadsheet file, doesn't mean that you actually have to open it. Oh yeah. 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 If it uses a spreadsheet and I don't know I'm using it, then I'm, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't launch. Uh, Excel. It's just a data structure, man. It's just a data structure. Uh... In the annals of archaeological discovery, the venerable potato bomb unearthed an ancient tome, detailing the final days of the dwarf fortress known as New Tower of Showing. The closing entry of this chronicle was apparently written by a fortress visitor, who bore witness to the fortress's tragic demise. The downfall of the fortress can be traced to their own shortcomings, as they failed to contain the scourge of lycanthropy. A solitary dwarf, who could barely stand and seemed on the brink of death, would miraculously transform into a were-limer each month, securing a fragile grasp on life. A migration wave of unfortunate timing only compounded their woes. Yet black salvation arrived in the form of Sabalalula, the enigmatic demon of Crystaldal. Cruel fate placed the demon in a meeting with their lone one-legged were-limer dwarf, who, by virtue of being the sole survivor, held the position of mayor. When the moon reached its full brilliance, and the mayor transformed into the hideous were-creature, the demon of Crystaldobs swiftly vanquished the unfortunate mayor-turned-were-beast. Now, only the stink of this foul abode remains. I am leaving this tomb. And thus, as Potato Bomb relays, the tragic saga of Irudum Nast, new tower rough-showing, was consigned to history. May its tale of tribulation serve as an enduring lesson for generations of dwarves yet to come. Okay, so I was surfing on the A Strange Mood podcast Discord channel. I was uh, committing Jeez. Discord adultery, yeah. And uh, one of their listeners who is also in our Discord channel named Rurik for some reason, I thought this was a really, really cool idea, and I wanted to, to point it out. Uh, so this is reading directly from the A Strange Mood uh, Discord channel. Anyone build huts to keep fisher dwarves safe? You can construct over the water source and set the zone over a floor grate and surround the grate with a raw fish stockpile. So in essence, you could build a like a bridge or a hut over a river and protect your fisher dwarves, just put a stockpile there, and by extension, you can put your fish processing plant right there at the river. Have either of you done that? Ooh. Nope. Um, I've done it once. When was that? That that was a million years ago, uh, but I, I tried it. I, I saw it on the subreddit. Somebody was talking about, oh, yeah, they can fish through grates, and I was like, what? Then I tried it yeah, out. Yeah, mind blown, yeah, right? <laughs> um, it works pretty nice. It works pretty nice, but um, the question in many cases is why. If you, for example, are in a very s savage jungle biome and there's like 
constant attacks by, uh, I don't know, flying creatures, uh, huge elephants, um, tigers, name it. Yeah. Um, then it makes sense to box in your fisher dwarves where they don't actually have to go into the wilderness to get to the water. And <laughs> the source of fish is just too good to pass up sometimes. Especially if mm -hmm. your farming is not running properly or whatever else. You don't have animal husbandry, no egg layers, whatever. Uh, then fishing becomes very interesting to use. So maybe that's a... Can you get fish fat? Can you get tallow from fish? No. Well, I mean, I don't not, think so. not from the cod fish, not from the vermin fish. But if, if you use like a dry drowning chamber uh, and you get a shark I'm pretty sure there's shark tallow yeah That's, oh, that sounds like a lot of trouble dang. just to make soap yeah yeah that's what dogs and cats are for exactly yeah <laughs> so anyway shout out to uh, to Rurik uh, thanks for posting that I, I found it for some reason really compelling and I want to really try that can't do it right now I will tell you why here in, here in a little bit but uh but yeah, and uh, a Strange Mood podcast, uh, this last episode was a great one. Uh, I want to shout out to those fine folks over there, Drew and Kristen. Okay, let's see now. I want to talk about my fortress that has gone all to hell. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had werelemers. Uh -oh. I had a werelemer problem. I had a Werelemer problem that grew exponentially and I was unable to contain the issue. And it was my fault for not at the very beginning snuffing out the very first Werelemer and getting everything compartmentalized. But I'm going to make a long story short here. My fortress went from 160 something dwarves down to 17. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. I mean, 17 is better than zero. Yeah, there's a lot of dead bodies around. There's too many bodies to clean up. Mm. My dwarves that are left, uh, for all I know, next full moon, they're going to be were-lemurs too. And if all of them are were-lemurs, then, uh, then, you know, <laughs> I'll be able to <laughs> make the fortress work with that. But uh, I think that my goal of constructing a colossal statue may not work out with this fort. Damn. Oh, that's a toughie. And, and you also got to be careful because if you make too many wear lemurs, it messes up your future endeavors because the migrants to your fort will also then, you know, like if you start a new fort, all your migrants are going to be baddies oh, also. Shoot. Yeah. So you'll yeah. see, you know, so one thing you can do or one thing I've done is I'll give them nicknames. And then when they come to my fort in a new one, I'll just insta-kill them. That's a good idea. Just to try to cull, cull the population. It's not infallible, but it, you know, it's one strategy. I suspect, Roland, you've probably got some thoughts and theories on that. Wait, come again? So if you if you populate the world with were-lemurs, like he's doing, I guess, by having a, a were-lemur fort, then... <laughs> um, they will, and then you not retire that fort. Yeah, say, not, not on purpose. purpose. Yeah, yeah, not on purpose. <laughs> but just, you know, that's whoopsie-doopsie-daisy. Yeah. 
That's the way this one has fallen. So yeah, go ahead. They don't like, they'll still exist in the world. So if you start another fort, those where lemurs will migrate to your new fort and start causing you mayhem. So what I've done is I'll put a name on them. If I think they're infected, like a nickname on them. And then those people will migrate to my new fort. And then I can see that they maybe were infected and then I'll just kill them or put them in a, like put them in a burrow and lock them in and see how they do on the first full moon or whatever. I suppose you could do that. I usually kill them. Cause but. I mean, okay, oh, that is a that is a way to deal with uh, wear infection, I guess. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, it can spread like it's a pandemic. Yes, once um, it's become a pandemic, yeah, <laughs> it's tough to get it, you know. And they don't, there's no vaccination for that. So I just had an idea of how I can prevent that from happening for the future fortresses, though. Um, I can take whenever it's not a full moon i can take my entire fortress population put them in a uh, particular uh well basically either just trap them wall them in to where they can't get out and then abandon the fortress or mm-hmm. take them wall them in and put a flood trap and kill my remaining dwarves well you know a vengeful god that happens yeah i think you have to actually go for the second route here because mm. I am unsure how the game keeps track of whether or not a creature is technically trapped when not in a cage. I had the same idea with a vampire. I had a vampire in a hole in my wall, and the vampire just moved away from the fortress. I, I saw that later in, um, what's it called, Legends. I saw it in Legends mode. And he escaped from my fortress, which means that the game does not actually check that well whether or not somebody is walled into a place. So I believe that if you wall off your entire civilization population, then um, you still probably get visitors from that place. Mm. So It also does weird things with injured dwarves. I had a fort where... I think a forgotten beast came through and everyone was losing their ability to stand. And so I had hospitals just full of injured dwarves. And so I went through and tagged them all as like injured and useless. So I'd quit putting them in squads. And then finally I gave up and retired the fortress. But then I noticed those injured dwarves suddenly had the ability to stand again and they were migrating into my fort. So I don't know what happened. Hmm. Something weird happened. They were healed. They were healed. Something, something healed them. Just, uh, yeah, it was really strange because I, you know, it was all set to expel or execute, and then they they were fine. So I thought, well, okay, it's good to sometimes not be so so hasty. So yeah, the mega structure that I had planned on having done by the time we had episode one hundred, and I was going to do a grand reveal. That doesn't look like that's going to happen. <laughs> hmm. Never say never. Unless I can do it between now and then. Never say never. Yeah, you know, it could, it could, we'll, we'll try again. You're going to probably by the next episode, we're going to have a new fortress and we are probably going to hear during the interludes of the episode you're listening to right now, we will have the story of the fall of new tower of showing sadness. Sad. That's the way it goes. It's full fortress, man. Things don't typically end well. Losing is fun, right? Losing is is fun. Half half the fun. Doing it again. The great philosopher David Ellsroth relayed. Once upon a time, in a prosperous land known as the Wealthy Rag, there lived a dwarf named Avuzlashed Claw. 
Avuz was a peculiar character, for he had a unique way of dealing with life's challenges. Whenever he needed to recall something, he would have conversations with inanimate objects, and he had a deep affinity for working outdoors, even when the weather was less than pleasant. One day, the leaders of the wealthy rag saw potential in Avuz, and they made an interesting choice. They selected Avuz to lead an expedition with a noble purpose, to establish a new fortress that would help expand their civilization. On the 5th of Limestone, in the year 113, under the leadership of Avuz, a small group of dwarves, six, to be exact, or seven if you counted Avuz himself, set out on a journey to a hilly region in the Great Land. There, they worked tirelessly and founded a fortress they named Pewpepper. And so, David Ellsroth shared this tale, showing that even those who appear peculiar or have their unique ways of doing things can become leaders and achieve remarkable feats when given the opportunity. The story of Avaz Lashtklaw reminds us that it's often the unconventional thinkers who bring about significant change and progress in the world. So what have you guys had going on in your fortresses? You know, still playing the same fortress, but I, I took a breather. I played a different game with a settlement building mm. system. What? Yeah, I know. Which one? Just for kicks? Just just for kicks, and I, uh, I, what I game? wanted to play something Which game? different in between. Um, Which one? Don't leave us hanging. <laughs> it, was, it was actually Fallout 4. Oh, right. I've heard of that one. Yeah, I I was craving a little bit of a shooter action, and then I was reminded that, oh, yeah, there is a settlement system, buddy. And now I'm no longer shooting. I'm just fast traveling from my settlements and building them up. And the one point I like Fallout 4, because you do get the ability to actually display things. Uh, like there's there's junk items in the game, like uh, forks and spoons and tablecloth and and whatever. So you can make an apartment and you can fill it with books. You can fill it with plates. You can fill the fridge, except for the parts where you can't, and then it sucks and it annoys me. For example, there are no fridges in the game. Why? 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 Why can I not build a fridge? <sighs> Or other parts, because it has, like, a weird snap-on feature. Like, the, the, the building parts are magnetic, and they, there's supposed to be some kind of magnetic magic bullshit going on. And then you snap the building pieces together to build, like, a big house. And it works great until it doesn't. And then I, I, I'm very happy that Dwarf Fortress doesn't have that. And the building is so much freer. And, and I can, I can build towers and buildings and I am not constricted by this magnetic feature sometimes because, oh, it makes me angry. But on the other hand, the small details are missing in Dwarf Fortress. I mean, I'm not sure if I want like plates and spoons and forks into the game because then the the game (laughs) clubbers to absolute death. Fallout 4, the OCD extension. Uh, yeah, it, you have to clean every place of junk. It, ugh, <laughs> my God. Um, but yeah, it, it makes me appreciate the, the way that War Fortress is played and the way that you can craft and build things in War Fortress. So uh, also, again, still playing the same Fortress. And I'm, 
I do kind of want to end it, but I don't know how. I don't know how to put an end and to say like, okay, period. This is where it ends. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so it just keeps on going. There is no version of Abandon the Fortress to Ruin? There is, but I don't want to do that. I could just, you know, let the world retire over and have it. But I, I want like a personal end, like a, hmm, like a, not exactly role play end, but I want a chapter ending, you could say. I want a chapter ending to this fortress where it feels good to say, okay, I'm done. And I, maybe I just have a personal problem doing that. <laughs> have you been playing Tony at all? I have. So I've, I, I have my kind of like my big long-term project going and it's been the forts, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old, which, you know, for me, that's, it's a pretty good run. It's got a couple of libraries, several taverns. I've got war elephants. I'm conquering nearby civilizations. I think I'm up to like 200 citizens. And that was the one where I started with the civilization of one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought, well, you know, I'll punch a hole in the caverns and start bringing in as many adventurers and migrants as I could. So that one seems to be going pretty well. I've, I've resurrected a fallen civilization. So that's fun. I'm now I want to go into legends mode and try to figure out what caused the fall in the first place. And so that's going pretty well. And then on my Mac, I started a, a pocket world with the intention of testing it. But then I got kind of interested in conquering the whole pocket world. And so I'm kind of wiping every other civilization out right now to see how that goes. And, you know, that's fun. So those are I find my it two interesting. things. Both of you tend to be more concerned with the things that are going on in the wider world outside your fortress than I am. With me, everything is always focused on what is going on inside my fort and not exactly micromanaging, but but I don't really pay that much attention to the, what's going on unless, you know, except for whenever things come from off the map and attack me. Hmm. For me, I usually try to get the forts to be sustaining. And then once I do that, that lets me focus on what's going on outside of it. So for the pocket world, I, I'm struggling to get migrants. So to populate my armies and keep them, you know, to keep them flourishing, I guess. That's that's a little slow. <clears throat> I don't know if I need to get some like Luther Vandross albums to encourage the dwarves to <laughs> propagate themselves or something. I, I don't know. That, so that's been a bit of a challenge. But but basically, once you get the fort sustainable and you've kind of automated food and drink creation and got some recreation stuff and you're not trying to constantly expand, people are pretty chill and they can drink in the taverns and hang out and make crafts and do whatever they want. Then, then it's like you just kind of turn your attention to the wider world and start trying to ruin it or improve it, depending on how you view it. That's kind of my perspective. Yeah, um, I I can fully agree with that. I often look at the world and then I instantly have some 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 ideas on what to do. And the better my fortress is doing, and I don't have to take care of the drinks and food situation any longer then um, I start to give myself some new inspiration on what to do. And often I simply look at the world map and go, hmm, where's the next idiot that I can attack? And uh, yeah. (laughs) 
I have to say, though, I've had very few plots with with the two forts that I'm running now. Like, uh, maybe I'm just better at protecting my artifacts. So usually I'll make a room off the tavern and put some glass in and then put all the artifacts behind a locked door. And I don't know if maybe they can't see them through the glass or I, I don't know, whatever it is. But no one seems to be like I'm not getting any criminal conspiracies, which is kind of a bummer because those are fun to deal with. But um, that doesn't seem to be happening as much. So maybe I should try to set up some honey traps or something. I don't know. But um, that's hmm. kind of that's, you know, that's why I'm not doing as much internal stuff. I might have had because I had several artifacts that were stolen, but. That's another thing that doesn't trip my trigger very much. Uh, so I don't usually follow up on them. I'm like, eh, you know what? That artifact's gone. Uh, no one seems too pissed off about it. So say love you. Oh, see, it really makes me mad when they steal stuff. Like I'll, I'll conquer civilizations to try to get stuff back, even if it's a dumb toy boat. Like I, somehow it just rubs me the wrong way. Don't you dare. I'm usually too worried about turning my, you know, my guild hall into a grand guild hall because the guild has uh, requested it and finding that that is a lot harder to do in version 50 than it was in version 47. Oh, I got it. I got a tip for you to make that easier. And I think, did we, maybe we talked about this in one of our episodes, but what I've done is you make the room bigger than you maybe normally would. And then instead Mm -hmm. of wasting all the time smoothing the floor or whatever, just take some of your gold bars or iron bars or whatever and use those to make the floor and then um, have them carve the floor or engrave the, engrave the gold or iron floor. And then that'll Ooh. usually do it. And it doesn't even have to be a very big, it doesn't oh, even so have to be can... a very big spot. Like I just go and, you know, I usually try to have, you know, a dozen gold bars on hand. I'm really big on aesthetics whenever I'm looking at my map. So I don't know if you recall when we did do the succession fort uh, mm-hmm. so many years ago, one of the things that I did was I, I had the dwarves lay the dwarf fortress round table emblem on mm-hmm. the floor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can make pretty designs on the yeah. floor with gold and engrave that gold and it might look really cool and may be worth a lot of money. Hey, cool. Thanks. Yeah, I do I th- that. I think I've, it was mentioned, but yeah. I, I didn't recall that. I've been doing it just very basically. Like if it's a ranger guild, I do an R on the floor in gold so I can remember what guild is what. I have trouble finding, like, for example, I will have a a noble who needs to have their uh, office improved because they have because they're requesting, a you know, a, a better tomb or, a you know, a better office or something like that. I have trouble going back and finding which office is theirs. I don't know of a easy way to do that. Somebody tell me the easy way to do that in the Discord or send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. All right. Anybody got anything else to talk about before we wrap things up here? Um, no. I think we got it. All righty then. It's a wrap. Mm, I like wraps. Okay, so thanks so much, everybody, for listening to the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast. We'll be back in a couple weeks with more dwarfy goodness. Uh, again, if you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com, or even better, you can join the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Discord server. You can find a link on our website, dfroundtable.com. And yeah, we'd love to talk to you. It's, you know, I'm finding that, that, uh, 
that Discord channel, honestly, a heck of a lot more fun than I than I thought it would. So, yeah, it's it's just been a lot of fun, a lot of great conversation on yeah, there. You, everybody should join. You listening right now, you should join yeah. as well. Unless you're already on there, in, in that case, thank you join for joining. <laughs> or just make loads of different yeah. accounts, and, you know, sock puppet your way to success. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Okay, guys. Um, oh, Roland, did you read what you should say at the end of the episodes? Yes, there were uh, several good ideas. Um, I will keep mixing them up. So for this episode, uh, you wanna? Yep. Let's 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 wrap it up here. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and good luck and dig deep. See you next time. And uh, I am requesting Drakes for next year's caravan. Thank you and goodbye. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. If you'd like to contact us by email, the address is urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. If you'd like to interact with the hosts and listeners of the podcast, you'll find a link to join our Discord server in the main menu of our website. If you'd like to help support this podcast financially, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft store ship is of the highest quality. Thanks, Alfonso.